and welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Anyway, we're, uh, we're in our second week of looking at the spiritual gifts and uh, Today, today we're actually going to look at the at, at the gift of prophecy, and just what the Bible says about that. I think it's always good to have good theological sound teaching around some of this stuff because when it comes to Pentecostal churches, people get a little bit, you know, who don't understand, get a little bit um, confused or, or judgmental, or, or or sometimes the Pentecostal believer or the Spirit-filled believer tends to do things a little weird and and strange, and and people get a little bit put off with that. But um, I think when we're talking about these things as we believe in them and we believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today and are available to us, that um, we should have a grounding in the Word for um, what, what it is talking about. So last week we were talking about tongues and the different types of tongues and how that works. And this week we'll talk about prophecy. Next week we will look at another gift. We won't be able to cover all of them. I'm kind of just picking out ones that I feel... Uh, are good for us to to learn about in this short season because we just won't be able to get through all of them. But I think next week we might look at healing and healings and miracles, um, the gift of healings and a gift of miracle so that we can sort of wrap it up in a a place that, well, excuse me. I guess guess what I've tried to do is, is present, I guess the gifts that seem to come early when you, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the Bible talks about tongues and prophecy as, as gifts that were quite evident early in, in the encounter that people had with the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Um, like I said, shared last week, there was at least five, four or five areas, four or five scriptures I think I shared that talk about the gift of tongues and prophecy being one of the first gifts to come. Um, so there's just that evidence that that the baptism of the Holy Spirit has come. But the Holy Spirit's also a seal of our salvation. It's not, he's not like, he's not, you don't need to be baptised with the Holy Spirit to be saved. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Paul talks about that, it, that we, are, we have a, it, he is our seal of salvation. He's our assurance of salvation. And so, so you can be saved and go to heaven without that experience of the Holy Spirit. But, the reality is the Holy Spirit is pivotal in our salvation anyway. And if you go back and if you want to learn more about that, you go back in our podcast to this, uh, a few weeks back that I did on the Holy Spirit. And I talked about the two different encounters with the Holy Spirit and how that works, that the Holy Spirit is essential in our salvation, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is when you, when you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. And then there is the extra or the, the baptism in the book of Acts, Acts where the Holy Spirit comes on you. And it's a, a baptism of immersion, um, just like water baptism, but in the Spirit. So anyway, you need to go back, listen to that podcast because I'm not going over all that again. So if you've got your Bibles, come to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. We'll get a bit of a scriptural found, uh foundation here and we'll move forward. So it says this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. I like that it says desire the gifts, that that it's a good thing. It's okay. You can desire these things. You don't have to feel like you can't. Paul's saying, I eagerly I, I, I follow the way of love and eagerly desire these things. He said, not just desire, but be hungry for them. 
Go after them because these gifts are from God and, and they're for you and I. And he says, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. And so, you know, if you've ever heard someone speak in tongues, it sounds weird. And uh, we don't understand what they're saying. Or, you know, the Bible does teach that, that angelic tongues should be interpreted, but there is, a, there is a prayer tongue that we all have and all can have from God that is a, is a spirit-to-spirit communication. Um, anyway, so it goes on to say, uh, where am I up to? For anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They are the mysteries by the Spirit. Verse three, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. Anyone who speaks in tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. There's some really key things in here and the functioning of this gift that we need to understand. I'll unpackage in a minute. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. So what Paul's saying there is if you do speak in tongues, it needs to be interpreted because it's only through the interpretation of that tongue that the church is edified because people actually understand what's being said. Okay, so, but he's saying, I actually would prefer you to be in prophecy when you're in a a context, especially within church, because, because actually those words are encouraging, strengthening and comforting to people. Um, so the first thing we need to understand in the Bible is there's, there is there is the office of a prophet, right? The fivefold ministry that God gave some to be uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Now that is not for everybody. It's, it is for select people within the body of Christ that have been given this role to, to, and it says that they equip people for the works of service. Their role is to equip people as the works of service. So, so we're not talking about um, that position of prophet that seems, you know, that we need to understand that there is a difference between what the Bible's talking about there as a prophet and prophesying and prophecy. Um, they're, not, they're not the same uh, position, they're not the same thing. Being able to give a word of prophecy doesn't mean that we are prophets. So we just need to understand that. So the motivation of prophecy is this, 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 14, 1 says, follow the way of love. So motivation for prophecy is love, that we are speaking into people's lives from a position of love. Uh, Whatever something is planted in will determine how it grows. The quality of the soil determines how the tree grows and the quality of its fruit. So love is the soil of heaven. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Love is the soil of heaven. And everything in the kingdom grows out of God's love. So you should be assured if somebody shares an encouragement or a prophecy with you, if it, if it isn't in love, that it should be disregarded. It should just be pushed aside because that is not the nature of God to come and condemn. He does not condemn. He will convict but he won't condemn us because condemnation is not of God. So we have to understand that it is birth and it grows out of love. It's because we love people that we want to... um... What is that? (laughs) Oh, is it?
I don't know what it is. It's just weird sound. Sounds like there's a there's a um, possum in there trying to get out. <laughs> so love is the soil of heaven. One John four nineteen says we love because he first loved us. We just got to get this foundation set because you know I've been in environments where I've heard harsh prophecy. I've heard prophecies that that are not loving that are actually quite condemning. And that's not why prophecy is being given to us. That's not how it should manifest. And it definitely is not the motivations. But love is the foundation of all ministry. Love puts people at the forefront of all that we do and we are called to love people and care for them. That's the role of the church. We are not here to judge people. We're not here to condemn people. Is there conviction? Of course there's conviction. Is there, you know, God will convict sin. Of course he will. But, but it will not, we are not, it's not our role to judge everybody and, and condemn them. And, and we have to function out of this place of love. That is the foundation of all we do. Like I said before, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So the expression of prophecy, the second thing we want to talk about is the expression of prophecy. So in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, it says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for three things, strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So you should be able to see that up there. So Paul's saying the three uh, expressions and foundations of prophecy, uh, we're grounded on love, but the three expressions of that love are strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. I don't know about you if you've been in a situation where you've had a prophecy or someone speak, you know, what they feel like God's saying to you, but it's being harsh or it's been, um, you know, not great. Because we have notice here it doesn't say for rebuking, correcting, and manipulating. Right? Because, because the reality is in a place of ministry, especially behind a pulpit, it would be very easy to manipulate people. But that's why Paul's drawing these distinctions in the word to say, well, this is what prophecy should look like. You know, if I got up here and I started to say, God's talking to me, Am, and he's saying that you should do this and this for me and you should make sure that my dinner's cooked by six o'clock. And that, that's not God, right? That's just manipulating her to try and get something that I want out of her and make it happen. That's not what God is like. God does not manipulate. And uh, so if you ever hear a prophecy or someone speaking and it's, it's coming across harsh and condemning or, 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 or you feel manipulated, I once had a prophecy over me that was like, really, it was very manipulative. It was kind of like the person was trying to set up for what was about to happen because a decision had been made behind closed doors. So they came in and sort of said this prophecy as if God was saying it, but actually it had already been decided and they were just trying to, I guess, lay the foundation for a change that was coming. And it was like, felt so manipulative. And I'm like, that's not of God. So what I did is just I threw it out. I'm not going to listen to that. I don't want to know about it because that's not God speaking. Because God doesn't manipulate us, right? People manipulate. That's the human part of prophecy that manipulates. The Bible says we prophesy in part, right? So that means part of it's us, part of it's God. And the, and the, and the goal is, and the challenge is, to decrease our part and increase God's part. Because really, ultimately, at the end of the day, what we want people to hear is God's voice in what we're saying. Um, so sometimes we get a little excited and we get off track with that. So it says for strengthening, for encouraging and for comfort. So it doesn't say rebuking, correcting or manipulating. Prophecy should be, uh, should make the hearer feel stronger, bolder 
and more hopeful for their future. This is the expression of the gift of prophecy, which is motivated by love. So it's girded on love. The foundation is built on love, but then strengthening, encouraging, and comfort are the expressions that we're talking about. I know this is a little bit different than our usual preaching, but um, I just feel like God wants me to teach some stuff here um, so that we can you know, have some understanding around this because I think sometimes, like I said before, in the Pentecostal church, we tend to skim over this and just assume everybody understands what we're doing and then, and then like someone gets up and does something weird and we're like, what are they doing? I don't even know what that is. Like, and it's like, well, I think we should understand that these things are in the Bible and they are available to us. So Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So there again, we can see that, that, that God's plans for us are not negative, they're positive. Uh, his plans for us are to prosper us, to not harm us and to give us hope and a future. Does that mean things don't go wrong in life? No. Does that mean things don't happen that are outside of that? Sometimes they do. Um, why? Because life is not going to be perfect. You're not going to have uh, everywhere you go, the violin's playing. Like as if you're in an elevator, you know, when you're in a lift in those movies and they have, every lift has these amazing sounds or songs. And we want life to be like that. Like, oh, it's just amazing. I haven't met one Christian yet that hasn't had a struggle, a trial or some form of suffering in their life. That's the reality of life. Christianity is not void of suffering. It, suffering is a, is a part of our faith, but we must understand that God's intent is to take things and work them for good. So the Bible says God will work all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. It doesn't say that all things are good, but he says even the negative things God will take and transform them into something good for you. But sometimes that means we have to go through some difficult times. Sometimes that means we have to journey through some valleys. But we know that God's intent for our life is to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the beginning, as the Bible says, the land of the living, sorry, as the Bible says in Psalms. All right, so a harsh prophecy or one that manipulates people to do something are not from God. They do not build people up, but rather they pull people down. So prophecy is building up people, not pulling down people. I don't know, I'm still intrigued what that is. <laughs> um, so if we hear a prophecy that doesn't operate within the boundaries of what Paul's giving us, then we should test it. And a testing it might be coming to Zoe and saying, hey, listen, this person shared this with me and what do you think about that? As a leader in the church, what do you think about that, Zoe? And she'll go, oh, yeah, let me pray about it. Or, oh, no, something doesn't sound right there. And then we'll go, okay, well, maybe that prophecy isn't worth isn't worth holding on to. Maybe it's not something that, um, that I should hold. And, and the reality is sometimes people just get it wrong, right? Sometimes people just, they feel like God's speaking to them. They feel like it's for that person, but they just don't have the words or they don't fully understand it themselves. So they muck it up and it comes out all wrong. And it's just about learning how to, how to operate in that space. Uh, and then obviously sometimes you need to cast it aside or disregard it. Every one of us has the ability to strengthen, encourage and comfort people. So this means every one of us can prophesy. Every single one of us. If not to others, to ourselves. 
<laughs> you smile about. <laughs> you can't fix this sound. This sounds broken from the start. <laughs> That's my voice. But um, yeah, so so some people go, oh, I don't have the gift of prophecy. Yes, you do. You have that gift available to you. You are able to prophesy into your world, into other people's worlds. It's a, a word of encouragement, a word of strengthening, a word of comfort, a word of empowerment. And uh, often, you know, we can find ourselves in, in places that are like difficult. And sometimes we have to speak to ourselves. I've done this a lot when I've had down days. So come on, Dave, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to work out. It's going to turn around. This too shall pass. These words are words of prophecy to myself. I'm speaking to myself, encouraging and strengthening and bringing comfort to myself, speaking what I feel like God wants to say to me. And so, you know, like you can talk into your own circumstance and say, hey, this is going to turn around. This is going to change. I don't have to be stuck in this situation. I don't have to experience this forever. God's got good plans for me, plans to prosper me and not harm me, plans to give me hope in a future. God has got great things in store for me. He's going to turn it around for good because I love Him and I'm called by Him. So His promise is that this is going to work out for good, even though it's a negative situation. Something good's going to come from it. And we have to believe that because that's the God that we believe in. God cannot lie to us. So whatever he has told us is absolute truth. Whatever's in this book, the Bible, is absolute truth from God. And we have to live our lives in that place. We can't live our lives questioning whether God meant it or not. Because then we're not, we're not believing. We're questioning. And it's not about questioning. It's about believing God. If we say we believe him, if we say we're a follower of Christ, it means we must believe what he's told us in his word. I'm not, I'm not saying some random thing out here that, that has the, the, the look of God. Oh, we've got to believe that. No, no, no. If that aligns with this, then we can believe it. But if it doesn't align with this, then we don't believe it. Because everything that God will do, everything that God will say to us will align with his word. You will be able to find something in here just to be able to stand upon and say, that's from God. So in Bible college, they taught me that uh, if you can't find at least, at a minimum, three scriptures to support something that you're getting told or, or an idea or a thought or a vision or a, a dream or whatever it may be, if you can't find it in here and it have it, it, it's supported by at least three scriptures or passages of scripture, then you should just disregard it because it's not supported by the word. So even when we get a word from God and we go, oh, I feel like God's saying this to me or to that person, if we can't find it in here, then we've got to question whether it's God or if it's us. And it's not that, oh, well, I won't encourage them now because anybody loves, everybody loves an encouraging word, right? But we just might be more focused around saying, well, this is what I feel, but I'm not sure if it's God, but, but I kind of feel this. So we're kind of qualifying it, saying, you know, because the reality is with prophecy, if someone comes to you and says, the Lord is saying this to you, Sarah, uh, alarm bells ring in my head. Because we don't, we don't hear fully what the Lord is saying. So I would come to someone and say, look, Sarah, I feel like maybe God is saying this. 
This is what I feel like God's saying, but I definitely wouldn't put myself in the position of God because that's not my role, right? That, that's not, I'm just here to deliver what I feel like God's saying. And so what I'm trying to do is bring just some foundation or under, foundational understanding around how to prophesy and how it works in our church. Okay, because we, need, we just need to understand this is how it works. So God is a God of peace and order. Okay, so he will operate in peace and order. He's not a God of chaos. So God is not chaotic in what he does. He has peace and he has order in how he works things. And the church is exactly the same. If this, if, if, you know, this is why we don't have people just stand up in church and shout whatever they want out in church. Why? Because that creates disorder. There is an appropriate way to share something. Um, and some people have more uh, permission than others in church. Why? Because there is order in how we do it. And so, you know, just understand in our church, this is how it operates. So in 1 Corinthians 14, 32, it says, The spirit of prophets are subject to the control of prophets, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. I read that scripture many years ago, and I've always thought this until just recently, that that, that meant that if you gave a prophecy, you were subject to the control of another prophet, that it, another prophet could could critique that prophecy. That's what I thought it was about. And, and then I did some research on it this week. I was, like last week, I was just reading through some scriptures and just different versions of scripture. And, and in 1 Corinthians 14, 32, in the Amplified Version, I think it just really sums it up because it says, for the spirit of prophets are subject to the prophets, which then it has in brackets, the prophecy is under the speaker's control and can stop, and that person can stop speaking. So it had a very different meaning than what I originally thought it meant. It means that you, God does not control you when you deliver a prophecy, that somehow you can't stop. You know, I've given prophecies and halfway through I've stopped and not delivered the whole thing because I felt like that is all that I needed to say. And so we have to just be mindful that, that God is a God of order and, and he, 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 he doesn't work outside of that. He, he, you know, like we, we prophesy, but we have the ability to control that prophecy and stop speaking if, if needed. So, or or if, if someone got up and I said, Josh, you need to stop. All right? and the Bible talks about this, that, that, that the order of the church in, 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 um, in Corinthians, Paul's saying that if, say, one over here prophesies and then someone else gets inspired and they want to, well, that person will stop and that person will start because God's a God of order. It won't be do it all at the same time because that would just create chaos and nobody would understand. So, so we just got to, you know, prophecy is, is done with order and it's submitted to authority. There's an authority structure in the kingdom of God. There's an authority structure in the church and it comes under authority. If you, ha- you feel like you get a word from God, it, and, and it's, not meant, you know, it's not like you have to run off and deliver it straight away to someone. Often, more often than not, it's actually good to go and speak to somebody that's a leader or a pastor and say, hey, this is what I feel like God's saying to me about that person. What do you think? And for me, I might go, well, hey, yeah, that sounds great. Why don't you go and share it with them? Or sometimes I might go, well, why don't you write it down and, and sit on it for a week and pray about it and let's revisit it next week. And, you know, if, if we feel like 
this is what God wants, then, then you can share it with them next week. Or maybe it'll be, look, write it down and I will share it. Because it just sometimes how it works is we just want to, we just want to, not everything we get needs to be delivered straight away. So you don't need to, just because you get a thought doesn't mean you need to get it out straight away. Sometimes it's just about, okay, that's the thought, but it's not fully developed in my mind and I don't really understand. So I'm going to sit on it for a little while and I'm going to share it when I feel like I understand or got a grasp on what, it's, what God wants to say. So prophecy must make sense and not be confusing. It must promote a sense of peace in the hearer even if they don't fully understand what it means. I've had prophecies given to me where I, I'm just like, I don't get that. I don't understand. But my understanding doesn't make it valid or, or not valid because maybe God wants to show me something I haven't seen yet. But it should make sense and it should be done in a way that promotes peace in people. If somebody doesn't feel a sense of peace in it, it's going to be very hard for them to process it. How are we going? We're good? Yeah? So the purpose of prophecy, 1 Corinthians 14, 1-4. So verse 4 says, anyone who speaks in tongues edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So the purpose of prophecy is to edify the church. To edify means to build up. That's the meaning of the word edify. A release of the gift of prophecy will build up people and the church. When sharing a prophecy, we should always seek to speak what we feel God is saying and we shouldn't get carried away in excitement and say more than is needed. That's the, that is the ch- biggest challenge of a prophetic word is, is we sense God say something to us <laughs> and then we say everything that comes into our head. But some of that stuff that comes into our head, like I said before, is not us. It's not God, sorry, it's us. Our, our, we're trying to interpret what God's saying to us, not realising that the message isn't for us, it's for the person. So, so yes, it has to make sense. It has to carry a sense of peace. There has to be order around it. But sometimes it's like God's speaking through us and we just have to allow him to do that. So prophecy is prone to mixture and should be given and received with this understanding. So not just from the person giving the prophecy, we should understand that as people that are ministering to others, but you as a congregational member or somebody that's receiving a prophecy, you should understand that as well. That, that when somebody's sharing a word with you, it's not all God. It's part them as well, because it's part their ability and their, um, yeah, even their ability to find the right words to say depending on education, depending on, you know, the the vocab of somebody, like trying to find the right words to use to describe what they feel like God's saying to them. And sometimes it can be hard if you can't get the right word for something and then people may misinterpret it or, or not understand it. But understanding that not everything is just God. And that's why I'd say when you share a word, say this is what I, got, I feel God is saying instead of saying this is what God is saying to you because it carries a different weight. If somebody thinks, you know, like it's like when someone leaves a church and they come to you, or you may not experience this, but I do as a pastor, they come to you and they say, God has told me I've got to go. And I'm like, I can't argue with that. 
And they know I can't argue with that, right? So, because God's spoken to them. So they pulled out the trump card and said, God has told me, God has spoken to me. So it's like, well, I can't, I can't, who am I to say that God didn't speak to you, right? But, um, but sometimes it's like, well, did God really speak to that person? Or have they just made up in their mind and they know that that's the easiest way to describe it without being challenged or being, have, having a conversation around that on what's actually going on. So, you know, that's the, <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> so the goal is to decrease our part and increase, increase God's part. He must become greater. In John 3.30, it says, He must become greater and I must become less. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.